Welcome back to part 2 of our discussion with Shilpa Dahake. We have been talking about rivers, ecosystems and how humans and these water bodies have an intangible relationship that extends in the tangible, in the material, ecological and other aspects of life. So, welcome again to your favorite podcast Chipping Away. Where your hosts Akash and Durga take you on journeys of South Asia. It's history, archaeology, art history, anthropology and everything under the sun. And as a reminder, this is part 2 of our discussion on water, which is a part of the series Elementals. So without further ado, let's jump right in. You bring very valuable point in terms of politics, river and fixating the fluidity of river. Most of the political agenda during the Maratha period or later Maratha time was developing the river ghats. One of the major things that Ahilya Bai Hoekar from Madhya Pradesh also did that for rivers in Maharashtra especially Godavari. And I was wondering if you could also speak to the politicizing of river in the sense of various banks or upper stretches or lower stretches of rivers used by different communities and engaged by different people maybe different social hierarchies or different religions and how that plays out so around 21 km of godavari stretch flows through the city of nashik dividing the city into almost two equal halves so if we go back to 1880s the city was only about 13 square kilometer in size along the river and eventually it grew with coming up of different political regimes and political interests and at this point of time it covers about 2.5 square kilometers of area where both the sides are almost equal in size across the river just before it enter the city it is dammed in around 1950s and 1960s following the modern vision of the first prime minister jawaharlal nehru that dams be the temples of modern india the first urban dam was built at gangapur and at that point of time it was seen as an engineering feat as well even building of a dam is also a political statement because of that many public sector industries came into nashik the way agricultural yield increased was because of the dam but what gets missed in the narrative was that so many villages were displaced because of this construction of dam and even today if you just do parikrama as we call it in marathi it's like a circumambulation of anything if you just go around anything it's called parikrama if you do that around the gangapur dam its entire reservoir you will see all these villages some have shifted a bit upwards on a higher elevation So have completely shifted to a different location. But when you speak to these people in this villages, they like we have lost our history. We couldn't carry the markers of our history, which was there in our villages. We couldn't carry the tombstones of our loved ones. Many of them have carried the village deities' idol from the original site to the new site. But they're like we're creating a new history right now. We are uprooted from our historical roots. and right now they are not the ones who are getting any direct benefit of the construction of a dam because uh, the dam water is specifically now to fulfill the drinking water needs of the city of nashik and these will just fall outside the municipal limits of the city and a portion of uh, dam water is also for industrial use as well as for commercial uh, agricultural use so these smaller villages their needs are lost in this transformation so that was one of the biggest political intervention that happened uh, in the upstream of nashik up until 1980s the stretch between the gangapur dam and the religious stretch which would be around 8 to 10 kilometers 
was not that well inhabited by people it was almost natural in its way the ecology was functioning in this particular region but as the city began to industrialize with coming of neoliberal reforms people started migrating to the city from the nearby villages also nearby cities in maharashtra that sort of led to the need of expanding the city in this particular stretch as well and if you look at the old city where the godavari ghats are the congested nature of an old city is still there but if you just roam around these narrow winding lanes of nashik you would see a very high end multi storied apartment building next to a very dilapidated vada structure so the old city center is the city's archive where you see multiple layers of city's history where you see a vada where you see a almost half demolished old house structures with very high end completely concretized multi storied buildings and as you go downstream what you very evidently see if you stand on the last bridge of nashik within its municipal limits across river is the city's sewage treatment plant it's in a way it tells you how city is engaging with the river so at its very upstream area is from where the city is getting its water from but all its water in its used form is again being let out in the river in the downstream but the river is the only common thing which is running across all these major functions and with coming up of different ideas of engaging with the urban development as well the ideas of developing riverfronts into modernized entities also came into picture and that also emerged with neoliberal reforms that we have seen in india across many rivers be it sabarmati river fund development be it yamuna be it right now pune's project though these projects have this a uh, banner of river conservation and flood protection ecological sensitive projects but on ground they encroach upon the river's ecological existence the way water is flowing the way these shrubs or these bushes are emerging along the river's banks in many ways all these political expressions be it a dam be it a ghat be it a development project all these are talking about encroaching upon the existence of the river in many ways be it drawing water from it be it creating land out of the flood plain by encroaching upon the river or be it commodifying it for religious associations so in many ways it's all about exploiting and extracting from the river so the political expressions in nashik has been like this and if you look at the distribution of different communities who are living along the river in the newer areas in the upstream of the ghats is where the high end localities are located where all these high end apartments are coming up and as you walk downstream near the sewage treatment plants or near where the things are not really well developed are where the informal settlements or lower caste populations are living and they are living actually at a very vulnerable and unstable grounds one very disheartening example of nashik is at the very point where the godavari ghats end there is a place called kazi gadi which is like a silt mound naturally created by the meander of the river and this particular mound is also archaeologically important where i think some artifacts from the tolkolthic period were found there and it is also one of the natural heritage monuments in the list of archaeological survey of india but for political gains the local politicians have settled a slum on top of it to expand their vote banks but since it's a silt mound in every floods many portions of this particular mound is getting eroded and people who are living there they are living in temporary shacks temporary huts so 
they're actually living on the edge there and they don't have any protection and even if you don't have a land existing if your land is sort of washed away on what grounds will you ask for claims as well so even all these technicalities of getting disaster compensation because of flooding and everything gets sort of negated and nullified because the way things are created in the modern context nobody is talking about the silt here but silt is an important component of rivers body and if you don't acknowledge that i don't know how a river can be understood in many ways this clearly shows how the power hierarchies are sort of getting shaped along the upstream and the downstream and very strategically people who have the power to do it are doing it by exploiting the river to its maximum limit it is quite disheartening and i wonder if this is a reflection of the medieval or maratha period society that developed in terms of social hierarchies associated with different stretches of the river even if you go back to the time of the peshwas even when the ghats were there there were 17 of them even there the distinction was very stark the upper kuns the stepwells were very much prescribed for the use of the upper caste hindus and there's a very interesting court case which happened around early 1900s where the lower caste mahars and other lower communities they asked for accessing these kuns for their everyday use for drinking water but at that point of time the court denied that access saying that since the lower caste communities never used these spaces they do not have the right to use the spaces at this point of time so then these upper kuns were fenced and these communities were not really also allowed to use the causeways linking the both the banks near these step wells even their shadow in the water was seen as polluting the river and the religious space but interestingly in 1932 when dr b k ambedkar began his movement of temple entry and access to water and right for the lower caste communities it began from nashik the karam temple which is there in the old nashik city the temple entry movement was also clubbed with access to these public water sources which was basically ghats and kuns in case of nashik so that is very interesting where at one point of time they were sort of termed as criminals for asking for accessing these kuns but at the same time it also becomes a site of resistance as well where people are also asking for their rightful right for accessing these water bodies it is very interesting that you brought up the event of kairam mandir temple entry because it marks a significant movement in india's history as well as the association with river accessing spaces and politicizing spaces which are ordinarily not discussed in this context so sometimes we look at that event as just entry into the temple but it is much more than that the egalitarian use of space which should be a fundamental right and there should not be any resistance in theory that's the idealized world that we hope for and with the intersection and access to the river points such as these become more poignant especially when water a very basic source is associated or sort of cordoned off for certain communities and commodified something similar is also happening very unconsciously right now in nashik is with the emergence of activism around the river people who live on the river the homeless 
the seasonal migrants or the informal settlements that are along the river they are in many ways denied access to the river many times they draw their livelihood from the river they might be seen as exploiting or extracting from the river but they do not have any other means or resource for survival they depend on the river in many ways so because of many of these activism narratives which talk about river centric conservation but they also trigger these exclusions on ground and i don't think we can talk about conservation if we don't talk about social justice so the kind of exclusion which was happening in earlier periods during the peshwas in many different ways it is happening in some ways right now as well where we are trying to create something similar but many are getting excluded from the narrative that reconstruction that reconnection and that also vaguely reminds me about the discussion around performing death rites in the river especially in the area which is for use of potable water and then the distinction of separate kundas assigned for performing death rites but again they have limited access as to who can access those and at what times of the year and in what way they can engage physically with the river Right now, everything is happening around the Ram Kund, which is one of the major kunds in the upstream of the Ghat area. But if you go towards the lower stretches where everything is coming from the main ridges spot of the Ram Kund, everything is flushed out in the lower stretches where all these vulnerable communities are living. So they are basically getting the waste and the polluted water of the city, and they depend on that. They do not have proper access to any other resource. things like goda park catered to specific communities and other communities just put up with the trash that is produced as a result of these quote unquote developmental projects is a very problematic dynamic in itself but what is interesting in nashik is i think since just for the kumela of 2015 in 2012 the entire river stretch was invisible it was completely filled with water hyacinth since then the awareness about the pollution of river because of certain development project has emerged the administration to show that they are doing something they are performing their own duties under bureaucracy in the state they are doing these interventions and they become like a side effect or an collateral of the activism if we can call it but very interestingly unlike things that have happened in delhi or mumbai where the activists who are basically coming from middle class communities they demand removal of or displacement of say vendors or slums because for them it is ugly or they are unhygienic but here the activists are questioning the various developmental projects the recent one which came was the smart city project in nashik it was again a reiteration of the beautification project of the riverfront but here the local activists in nashik demanded that we don't need the beautification of the river if we don't have the water flowing in the river there would be no riverfront so we need the river first and for that we need to remove the concrete from the riverbed first so they filed a pil they very dedicatedly carried it forward followed it up and i think now it has reached a stage where the administration has incorporated the removal of concrete within the bigger project so in certain stretches of the godavari ghat the concrete has actually been removed from the riverbed also so i think in the upper stretches of the godavari ghat i think tons and tons of concrete was removed from the riverbed so i think that's the difference between how a small city or medium city city like nashik engages with the river and a larger city like delhi or mumbai engages with the, their river bodies so the difference here is quite striking and i think even the association with sacred landscape helps some of these activism efforts like they can use that as a front 
and i think that's the way to sort of even convince people in first place to become aware and people might term that strategy as something very exclusive also but for a local person to engage with river and trying to conserve it i think for them it's also coming from their own standpoints their own background their own social standings would also inform how they are thinking about reengaging with the river it's also a very political intervention in itself but we cannot really negate the advantages of coming from a social standpoint how these are being built from a very nuanced experiences in a way nashik has that upper hand where people are becoming vigilant about what is happening along the river and similar case with panchavati where those five iconic trees were projected to be moved or i think they were planning to uproot it for road widening but because it is associated with sacred landscape and the name itself panchavati some of the trees have survived I wonder what are the differences between the development of Trambakeshwar which is at the origin of the river and Nashik Though Trambakeshwar is very dependent on religious economy but even there it's about commodification of the river If you just google Trambakeshwar and floods and you go back to 2012 2010 you would see every year the city of Trambakeshwar floods with 2 hours of rainfall so i think there it's even more worse because people are coming there to see the river watch the river but river is completely invisible because it's piped it's completely piped and there are these concrete planks put over the river to cover it up and what is flowing under it is a mix of river and sewage of the town altogether but river is nowhere to be seen if you just come out of trimbakeshwar you will see a nala a drain where all the waste is going into and that's the godavari just coming out of trimbakeshwar so it's all about the intangible goddess which i spoke about earlier where people are coming to worship and not the tangible one as sort of invisible to you in many ways literally also as well also in your everyday engagements it's mostly commodified there as well that will be a wonderful way to bring it whole circle like how our cultural identities with the river itself identifies the river gives it both a tangible and intangible aspects and moreover how we as a society organize hierarchize and associate ourselves is also depicted onto the body of the river with that we should keep in mind at the way in which we as a society are moving towards rivers and the environment as a whole it's something that we need to keep in mind because if we at the end of the day do damage our rivers we are damaging ourselves that was a wonderful conversation and maybe on that note we can call it a day thank you again shilpa hope to have you back soon i'm always taken aback with the vagueness or the layers of interpretation that one element can have for us it is not every day that we take the time to peel these layers and really understand the core of the existence or our anthropogenic activities that have a lasting effect as we saw in the case of godavari in nashik we have had layers of acculturation spanning across centuries and generations so if anything maybe we should do our little bit to understand the world around us the natural and the man made with this let us say goodbye to shilpa and we will see you again in 15 days with a brand new episode with a brand new theme at chipping away and don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at chipinawayind and send us a line at chipinawayind@gmail.com we always love to hear your inputs comments 
and themes that you would like us to talk about. As our Chippenaway community is growing, we feel the love and we feel there are more subjects and topics that we need to talk about. So we will see you again soon. Till then, keep chipping away. Thank you.